Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. How's everybody doing today? Good morning. How many people are excited about this Christmas season? Yeah, I hope so. Well, we're kicking off this season of Christmas with a brand new series called Awake, Awake. And let me be reminded, or help me remind me, what Christmas is all about. What is the reason for this season? Jesus. Okay, it took a little long. What is the reason for the season? Yes, but we want to present to you this concept of being awakened. Awakened, and what that means is essentially the fact that Jesus came as a baby and woke to this world and was awakened to things of this world because of his very existence and his awakening on this earth. We are presented an opportunity for our souls to be awakened in him. You know, what I love about Christmas, you know, the Christmas season and even just December in general You know, because like two days from now is my birthday. No big deal. Um, I'm in my 20s. Um, I'm excited about this season because I love how there's Christmas music playing everywhere. There's Christmas music in your car. There's Christmas music in the stores that you're shopping at if they're open. And then there's, there's Christmas music playing in your home. And you just get in that spirit. And unbeknownst to many people in this world, we are being reminded of the truth of what Christmas is about. Now, I'm not talking about Justin Bieber's mistletoe. And I'm not talking about Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Although you may want to hear the rendition of All I Want for Christmas together, the Biebs and um, Mariah Carey. That's great. But those those are the songs I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we're saying, oh, holy night. I'm talking about um, silent night. I'm talking about all these songs that are presenting the gospel and are presenting that Jesus has come to this world to save us, to save us from ourselves. And these songs wake us up. But if we are not awakened in our souls to who Jesus is, I'm afraid it's just background noise. I'm afraid it's just white noise. Now, the brilliant thing about Christmas is that God in his infinite wisdom poured all of who he is into a human, Jesus. And he has this father-son relationship so that we can understand the relationship because all of us have parents. And so this is just a side note, and it's probably a message for another day, but the relationship that we have with our earthly parents have a lot to do with our perception and what we think of with God and who he is. And so it's really critical, but we also have to recognize that because our parents aren't perfect, that we have to either heal from some relationships so that we can get right our understanding of who God is. Some of us have not yet understood who God is because we have not yet healed from our relationship with our parents. And so I want you to just encourage you that God in his infinite wisdom wanted you to understand what it is like to have a healthy relationship with a father and a son. And I think about my, my husband and his son. If you want to know who Caleb is, just hang out with Cain and David for just a little bit. He's nine years old, and he is just as sarcastic and has the same dry sense of humor and thinks he's too cool for school. Just kidding. No, he's not. But I'm I'm kidding, honey. You are the coolest. I think he's the coolest. But what I love is that if you want to know Caleb, know Canaan. 
There's, there's a lot of similarities. So Jesus because of God's infinite wisdom, is all of who God is. Everything about him is poured in to his son, Jesus. And then Jesus, he woke up to the, the pains of this world. He was born from a virgin and had an immaculate conception. And Jesus was awakened, and that was a miracle moment that afforded us an opportunity to be awakened to peace, to be awakened to hope, to be awakened to love, to be awakened to mercy. Jesus is a reason for the season. And so I want us to understand this idea of awakening. It's about becoming alive. It's about becoming aware. It's about becoming cognizant and conscious of who Jesus is. That is what Christmas is all about. And we're going to read in this next text, Luke 1, 26 through 38. We're going to learn about the awakening that Mary experiences because of the promise of who Jesus is and the fact that she's going to give birth to him. So let's read it. Luke 1, 26 through 38, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, the angel said to her, or you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and the kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? since I am a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. God, I love you and I thank you that because of this season, we can be awakened to your purposes and to your plans. God, I pray that in this room that you would begin to stir up faith inside of our hearts. God, that we would start overflowing with faith. And God, that it would cause us to act and walk out this life differently. But God, may the position of our hearts be so aware of what you're doing in our lives. So God, we ask that you would wake us up today. Let us learn from your word and may we grow closer to you because of it. In your precious name, amen. Amen. So Mary's awakening, as, you, as we read here, it moved her to a responsive faith. And I want you to think for a moment that Mary is the person who is holding a miracle inside of herself. And I want you to think about just a miracle moment in your life. How many people have had a miracle happen in their life? Oftentimes, miracles sometimes look like checks in the mail. Looks like a job. It looks like reconciliation in your family. Sometimes it looks like healing. There's lots of different shapes and forms in, in which God performs miracles. Sometimes we think a miracle is just a healing, or we think that it's when God finally fixes what is wrong. 
when God finally comes through, when God finally provides, there's this miracle. But can we, in this Christmas season, through the story of Mary's awakening, understand a miracle a little differently? I want us to be more woke in this place. That is your pastor being relevant. (laughs) You see, there's an awakening that happened in Mary, but it happened before the miracle. Now, the story that we read is nine to 10 months before Jesus is actually born. So she was walking and awakening before the miracle came. Somebody needed to hear this today, that sometimes the real miracle is not the breakthrough, it's the process and the journey to the breakthrough. So there's people in this room who are just waiting for that miracle, and you're missing the mundane moments where God is actually performing a miracle through you already. He's wanting to know that you are, you are, you are serving a God who is working even though you can't see it, even though you can't feel it, even though you don't believe it. He is at work. He is a miracle working God. And no matter what you are experiencing, a miracle can take place. Perhaps an awakening is not just about the miracle prepared for us, but our faith response to the miracle coming. Despite your circumstance, no matter what you can see, no matter what you can feel, no matter what you've heard, the true miracle is having faith. The true miracle is that imperfect people put their hope in something that they cannot see. That is faith. So an awakening should lead us to a faith response. That's what Mary does. Can we wake up in this place? Can we say that even though we're discouraged in this time of COVID, even though there's shutdowns, that the miracle is not opening up? It's the miracle of us handling the shutdown well. Can we understand that God is wanting to wake us up before, before the miracle comes? Because he wants us to be, he wants to trust us with a miracle that he wants to give you. There's a miracle on the way. Just go through the process and trust him and let's respond with faith this morning. So I believe that we, through Mary's response to this awakening, can get a bit of a temperature check on our own faith. Where is your faith today? I mean, I think to a certain degree, if you're watching online or if you're in this room, there's a degree of faith, but God wants to stir up greater faith in his people so that we can take on the miracles that are coming for us in 2021. So I want to ask you, where are you in your own faith journeys? And how do you know that your faith is actually awakened? Number one, you can know that your faith is awakening, is awakened through thoughtful questioning. Mary gave much thoughtful questioning. You know what I love about church and what I love about faith journeys is that God is not afraid of any of our questions. He, he actually welcomes doubters into his church. He welcomes doubters into his presence because he knows that his presence illuminates and he knows that his presence has truth. He knows that he can do a lot with the doubt and the deficit that we have in our lives. God is not afraid of any of your questions. He's not afraid that you're unsure. He's just saying, come into my presence and I will make myself known. Timothy Keller says this in his book, Hidden Christmas. There is a kind of doubt that is a sign of a closed mind. And there is a kind of doubt 
that is a sign of an open mind. Some doubt seeks answers, and some doubt is a defense against the possibility of answers. I want you to think about that for a moment. I have two children that help me illustrate this. I'm going to do the best I can because I think there are some children in the room with you where you are watching, but I'm going to do my best. Um, we have something in our home um, called Elf, you know, the little elf. Is that what it's called? Elf, right? Yeah. Elf on the shelf. And it's so great that Miles, named by Canaan, is in our home. And he, you know, he is in a lot of different areas in our house every single morning, different different rooms, different positions. And so um, the other morning, uh, Miles was in the same place as he was the day before, which means that my two sons had questions. One came to me and said, Mommy, where's, where, why is Miles still in the same place above the microwave? And um, Caleb and I just kind of looked at each other, blamingly with our eyes, just... You know, and, and, and one was like, you know, the older one was like, man, is it because daddy forgot to move the elf? And I go, absolutely not. And then I can see Kai just searching his mind. And I remember him watching the movie a couple days ago about Elf on the Shelf. And he's like, no, Kuya, you know what happened? That's his favorite spot in the house. So he just wants to stay there another day. And I was like, you know, two, there are two individuals like searching for the answer of why this was happening. But one was open to possibilities. The other was not. <laughs> and can we in this room just say to ourselves, we are going to be that individual that has a childlike faith and has the awakened faith like Mary does, that has thoughtful questioning, not questioning that shuts off all possibilities, but we are the questioners with childlike faith who say all things are possible through God. Just help me understand. Help my unbelief. Help me understand. That's what was happening with Mary. In verse 29, she's, she's asking, oh, man, she's greatly troubled and saying and, and trying to discern what sort of greeting this was from an angel that is standing in her presence. I think if an angel was standing in her presence, she wouldn't necessarily be doubting God, but she's wondering, how could this be? I've heard it said that some people... Um, hear her questioning more as an open-ended question, a sincere question when she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? How can I have a baby if I've not laid with my betrothed? <laughs> I do this first service. I try not to be a third grader when I talk about this, but it just comes out. She asks, how can this be? And it's not that she's unwilling to the possibility. She is more, I've heard it paraphrased by theologians that say, how can this be? What do I need to do? What can I do? What can I help in the matter? You've entrusted me with this. What can I do? The questioning is not like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah, there's no way, angel. No, it was not that. It's like, what are the possibilities and how can I play a part in it? Can we give thoughtful questioning in our faith journeys? Can we ask God honest questions without shutting off the possibility that he wants to do something in and through us? Where is your faith at? Your faith is awakened if you can give thoughtful questioning. Number two, how do you know your faith is awakened? If there is true wonder. You know, I think about miracles often, and 
how often do we make the miracles about ourselves? I, I wonder how often we make a miracle about what we can get. How often do we even talk about my faith journey? Leave me alone. Talk about your own faith journey. This is my faith journey. It's all about me. And, and, you know, I feel like we get to a place where miracles are all about what we can get rather than the goal that God has about how we can be open to the possibility of who God is. There's a mystery in who God is. There's a true wonder that comes when we really know who God is. But if we limit him to just a genie in the bottle, then he's a miracle-working person who just does miracles for me. And I wonder if we need to get to the place where Mary was, where she just had true wonder in who she, she was and what, she, what part she was playing, God's marvelous plan. She says, how can this be? And then the angel just continues to say, don't worry, I got you. This is what God's plans are. And she listens, and at the end of the scripture, you hear her just accept it. But I think it's because of the wonder she had in God and the fact that she was so in awe of what he wanted to do in her. Sometimes we've got to get to the place where we're so in awe and wonder, true wonder of what he could possibly do in our lives rather than, come on, God, give me what I need. Can we be in true wonder? That's what the Christmas season should be doing for us. It's not like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get this? How, how am I going to have the best Christmas I could ever have planned to have had? No, let's have the true wonder of Christmas. Let's not be distracted by the things of this world. But can we just be in true wonder of who Jesus is? I think COVID was perfect for us. These shutdowns may have been perfect for us. Maybe we needed to slow down and just stand in awe of who he is. Maybe them, some of us don't have the means for presence, or maybe we don't have everything that we wanted, but maybe God's just saying, be in awe and wonder of who I've placed in your life. Be in awe and wonder of what I want to do in and through you. Be in awe and wonder of me. Let's have true wonder for who God is. That's when you know that your faith is truly awakened. Third, how do you know your faith is awakened? Trusting acceptance. Trusting acceptance. I love when we can skip down to verse 38, and Mary says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me. Somebody say, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. You know, I wonder how many of us need to just accept what is happening in our lives. Can we just get to a place where we accept where we are? When we accept where God has placed us, then we're in a place of finally trusting who he is and what his plans are. This is what, this is what Mary is saying, let it be to me. You know, in the first part, she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. What she, in, in that one verse Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. This shows so much how we can actually be in trusting acceptance of what God can do. And it's, it's this, this concept of trust is marked by Mary's humility. Mary is humble in this moment. She's saying, I am your servant. I trust. I trust you. 
I am your servant. A servant takes on the disposition of humility. And then next, she also, trust is marked by our accurate identity of who we are. The fact that she says, I am a servant. I'm not this person who deserves this miracle to take place in me. No, I'm a servant. I'm just doing your will. I'm just doing your way. This is trust is marked by having an accurate identity of who we are in Christ. But also what you need to see in verse 36, it says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing is possible with God. Mary is seeing that her cousin Elizabeth is going to have a baby and there's moments where I wonder that we're not accepting of what God is doing because we see what he's doing in other people's lives now I wonder if trusting acceptance has everything to do with rejoicing with what God is doing in other people's lives first you wonder why he's not coming through for you? Stop feeling like you're entitled for God to perform a miracle in your life and get close to the people in your community and start rejoicing with them. And when you rejoice with them, faith rises in your heart and he says, I can do for you what I've done in them. But why? maybe you first have to walk with them. Maybe you first have to enjoy with them. Maybe you first have to honor them. Maybe you first have to rejoice with them. Maybe, just maybe, we need to have humble hearts, recognize our place, and just rejoice with those around us. Trusting acceptance has a lot to do with accepting what God is doing in other people's lives. When you recognize what your true identity is, you recognize you're favored, but there's also others who are favorite. My children, every single one of them are my favorites. All of you, you're all God's favorites. Now let's just start rejoicing with others so that we can then be, be, be worthy of receiving the favor that he has for us too. Trusting acceptance. Trusting acceptance is marked by rejoicing with others. It's marked by humility, and it's marked by an accurate identity of who we are. We're servants of the Most High God. That's our first position. So how do you know that your faith is awakened? First, there's thoughtful questioning. That's important. Then we get to a place of truth and we understand that, God, you are so good. I am truly in wonder of who you are. And next, I just need to accept and trust the position that you've put me in. I'm going to trust that you're going to do things for other people and you're going to do it for me too. And I'm going to allow faith to rise in me. I'm not going to let seeds of jealousy or seeds of comparison stamp me out. I'm going to just accept what you've given me and humility and understanding who I am in you. And that will lead us to the fourth temperature check of where our faith is and where we are in our faith journey, and that's total surrender. Total, complete, utter surrender. I wonder how many of us in this room need to finally just let go of all control. You know, I was even in this room or in this uh, this week studying this passage, just being like, okay, God, what do you want me to say? What are you trying to speak to your people? What are you doing in me? What is it that you want? What kind of, you know, word are you having for them? And he just said, chill, Chrissy, just surrender. I'm going to have my way. I'm not going to put anything new in this scripture for you to communicate. It's not about what you're communicating. It's about what I want to do in you. And what he said to me was like, surrender. Stop trying hard. Stop, stop, stri stop striving. 
And when we can finally get to that place, then we finally start enjoying the presence of Jesus. You know what? Every single time we, we walk into this room and we open up the word of God, sometimes we want to just give you like three steps to help you become a better Christian. How can I finally get them to start obeying Jesus and walking this faith journey and loving it, you know? And we just, we even honestly have to just let go of control. God's going to have his way. When you open up the word, he's going to have his way in you. And so I want you to understand that just like you, I also have to let go of control and surrender what he wants to do in and through this church, no matter what I say or do. God is going to have his way. We've got to get to a place of total, complete surrender. Our greatest motive for this is another Timothy Keller quote by um, Timothy Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas. Our great, he says this, our greatest motive for surrendering to him cannot be for what he will do in us. It must be to love him for what he did for us. Total surrender is not even about getting, <laughs> getting to a goal. It's not a means to an end. The means to the end is always Jesus. It's always his presence. It's always knowing him more. It's always about loving him more than we did the day before. It's not about what we can get from him. It's about how we can love him more. When you surrender, you finally let, control, let go of control. When you surrender, you stop telling God how things should be and what your timeline is and why you know what's best. When you surrender, you stop telling other people how they should be and how they should surrender. When you surrender, you let go of expectations. You let go of timelines. You let go of obligations. You let go. And it's not, not to say, yay, I have great faith. I let go. It's so that you can fall in love with a God who loved you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross for you. But he first sent his son and in his infinite wisdom poured all of himself into Jesus so we can relate to him, so that we can know him, so that we can love him. That is always the goal. It's not reconciliation. It's not future provision. It's not healing. It's not all these things. It's for Jesus. Jesus is our greatest reward. The reason for the season is Jesus. Jesus. Total surrender is marked by a heart of worship. And Sam said it earlier, he's not the best vocalist and worship is not about singing. Worship is about standing in total wonder and awe and adoration of who he is. There's a Christmas song that we sang at the end of this, and it was, oh, come let us adore him. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. It's about just ministering to him, and it's about saying to him, I don't need anything else but you. I don't need anything else from you. My faith journey is not about what I can get. It's about how I can love you more. I don't want to sing by myself. And I want us to just have a moment. Don't worry about your voice. But I need us to, to quiet our hearts and be still and worship him. I think everybody in this room wants greater faith. If we want greater faith, then we're going to worship him. We're going to utter all the praise that he deserves. We're going to adore him.
you sing with me? Nobody else is worthy. Come on. grow in your faith walk with the Lord can you just surrender to him can you just tell him how worthy he is can you tell him how much you adore him not for what he's going to give you but for who he is he's the one who loves you he's the one who has mercy on you he's the one who is pursuing you he's the one who gives you everything you have not because you deserve it but because he loves you he loves you he loves you he loves you And all that matters is that we love him back. His presence brings us to our knees and worship to him. Listen to how Mary expresses her surrender to him in Luke 1, 46 through 55. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Would you have that same heart? Man, God, you are so good. I magnify you. My spirit rejoices because you have saved me and you have plans for me greater than what I could even imagine for myself. And because it's not just for me, it's for generations to come. God, may I just May I give you back everything that you deserve? May I give you all the praise? May I attribute you all the praise? May I say to you are worthy, you and you alone are worthy. Would you bow your heads in this place? And in the quietness of this moment, whether you're at home singing with us, if you were here in this room, God is wanting to speak to you. God is wanting to to encourage you 
that you don't have to do anything to achieve to achieve in him. You can't do anything more to make him love you more. You can't do anything more to make him proud of you. You are his creation. You are worthy. He already loves you. There's nothing more that you can do to deserve anything. <laughs> his grace is enough. He loves you, but he's calling you to a deeper understanding of who he is. And he's saying, invite me into your life. In, invite me into your space. And so if you're in this room and you want a greater walk with him, you want greater faith, he's just saying, let go of control. Give me total surrender and I will invade your life and transform it and will do things greater than you could even imagine. So if you're in this place and you're saying, I want to have a greater relationship with him, I want to have a stronger faith in him. I'm going to just count to three. And then when I count to three, if you would raise your hand or if you would click even on the computer or whatever device you're watching on, would you just respond by clicking or raising your hand on the count of three? This is your opportunity to invite a loving Savior into your life who will save you from all your past. He will remove all the shame, the guilt, everything that he doesn't want you to walk in anymore. Why? Not because of anything you did, but because of who he is. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a merciful God. So on the count of three, if you want to accept him into your life, you want to make him the Lord of your life, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Amen. Amen. Church, wherever you're at, would you repeat after me and help these who raise their hand to solidify this decision, that the most important decision they could ever make. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today. I accept you into my life. I make you not just the savior of my soul, but the Lord of my life the leader of my heart. I believe that you sent your son to this earth to walk a perfect life and die a painful death only to resurrect so that I might have life and freedom in you. I confess my need of you. I have sin. I'm imperfect, but you love me anyway. Save me, Lord. I receive you into my life. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Come on, could you rejoice with those who made this decision? Why don't we stand in this room? We're going to sing one more time. And for you who maybe raise your hands or you have a need in your life, there's some prayer team members up here who would like to pray with you. Click on the link if you want some prayer in your life. You can just reach out to us. We're happy to do that. But can we respond in this moment, this season of Christmas? Can we respond by not expecting anything but just giving him our whole adoration and glory? Come on, let's sing that. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. 
We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.